Hello. Just a fun fact. Um, I wore Sherry's pearls on my wedding day. It's a fun little fact in her earrings, and I did return them. <laughs> Didn't want to, but I did. They were real. <laughs> so, fun little fact. So, before we get started, I was told I can give away books, and I actually forgot to give one away in the second session, so you guys get two. <laughs> so, um, I'm giving away two books. Um, God's Very Good Idea. I love this book because I have um, a very chocolate husband and very chocolate children. Mine is my baby boy. And I often get the question, no matter how many times I tell them, Mommy, why is your skin so light? <laughs> and my skin's so brown. And this is a very beautiful book about how God has intentionally made the church, right? That we are from every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Wonderful book. Absolutely love this. And the girls love it, too. So who um, who would like this book? Okay, you in the back. <laughs> okay. Well, I have another book, <laughs> and this book is actually um, what we as a church at Grace are about to go through for a women's Bible study. It's Alive in Him, and it's a book, it's um, like a commentary that walks along the side of the book of Ephesians. It's by Gloria Furman. She is one of my favorites. She's just so rich with the truth, and um, I just love her testimony, love her heart, and love how she sticks to the text. So I am going to ask. Um, who has never done a Bible study in Ephesians? All right. <laughs> All right. That was fun. Okay. <laughs> so, um, today I'm talking about remembering God's abundant provision for fruitfulness, and I'll be coming from Second Peter chapter one. But before um, we turn to that, um, when I was thinking about this breakout session, it, um, it has caused me to remember God's abundant grace that he has lavished upon me in our recent move to River Rouge. So she told you a little bit about um, moving to River Rouge, but it happened last May, so we've only been there for a little over a year. Last May, my husband began um, preaching at Grace and interviewing with the deacons. And I was hit with a great reality that my world was drastically about to change. Not only were we selling our very loved home, moving 35 minutes away from all of our closest friends and homeschool co-op, but we were also leaving a church stocked with great teachers and a rich women's ministry and a plethora of volunteers. <laughs> our new little church is well little, and with limited resources comes a larger responsibility. I went from teaching women every once in a while to being the lead teacher for the women's ministry. Talk about feeling inadequate. While adjusting to a smaller house, a new neighborhood, and church, trying to make friends, I was battling with the feeling of being enough. And I found out I'm not enough. I do not have enough personality, knowledge, experience to lead well. I will always, in my own strength, fall short. But I was not left in my feelings, as we say today. 
But I went to the Lord in prayer, and I went to the Lord in study, and I was reminded that he calls and he equips. So let's pray again. (laughs) Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your grace. I pray, Lord God, for your glory to be proclaimed. I pray, Lord God, for you to just inspire these women, Lord. Put fire in their bellies, Lord God. Give them hearts for you, hearts for fruitfulness. And I pray, Lord God, that you would reveal yourself to them in a mighty way today. In your son's name I pray. Amen. <clears throat> so before we begin our text in Second Peter, I just want to give you a brief background outline of the book. The book of Second Peter is a letter written by Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those that are dispersed in persecution. This is the second letter he writes to them. In chapter 3, verse 1, he says, This is now the second letter that I am writing to you, beloved. In both of them, I am stirring... I am am stirring up your sincere mind by way of reminder. This letter is a letter of reminding the people of God to trust the word of God and what they already know to be true. The letter begins with Peter urging the believers to good works in light of their redemption and affirming the authority and authenticity of the word of God. In chapter 2, Peter transitions to the reality of false prophets and their coming judgment. Peter ends the letter with talking about the return of Christ and waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God. Today, we'll be focusing on chapter 1. I'm going to talk to you today about remembering God's abundant provision for fruitfulness. In 2 Peter chapter 1, we are going to see, these are the points if you want to write anything, if you like to take notes, these are them. So, who God has called, what he has called us to, how we are to supplement our faith, And lastly, I'm just going to give you some um, applications on walking in the fruitfulness that God has called us to. So I'll say it again. God has called us to, or who God has called, what he has called us to, and how we are to supplement our faith. And lastly, I'm giving some applications of walking in the fruitfulness that God has called us to. So it is important to remember God's abundant provision for fruitfulness, because like the Israelites throughout the Old Testament narrative, we too forget that God is with us. We try to figure things out on our own. Maybe we live our lives with how we want with a little help me Jesus on the side. But we, or at least I will speak for myself, I forget that God has called me to be fruitful and he has given me everything I need to do so. So we're going to turn to our text. We're going to read Second Peter chapter 1. And this is where we're going to be parking today. So just expect me to read it a lot and often. <laughs> So this is where we parking. So 2 Peter chapter 1. <clears throat> Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior Jesus Christ, may grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and our, of Jesus our Lord. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises, so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love, For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Therefore, I intend always to remind you of these qualities, though you know them and are established in the truth that you have. I think it right, as long as I am in this body, to stir you up by way of reminder, since I know that the putting off of my body will be soon, as our Lord Jesus Christ made clear to me. And I will make every effort so that after my departure, you may be able to, at any time, to recall these things. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son, with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the holy mountain, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention, as to a lamp shining in a dark place, until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your heart, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation, for no interpret, interpret, sorry, for no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> so this is a very long passage, <laughs> but we're going to dig right in. So we're going to talk about our first um, topic, who is called. So let's look at verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. So who is this us? Let's look ahead, or before that, at verse 1 and 2. Simon Peter, a servant and apostle of Jesus Christ, and those who have attained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. So who is called? All who have trusted and believed in the Lord Jesus Christ. Some of you might be thinking, okay, yes, I'm called. But that woman over there, she's super called. And Pastor Jeff is super duper called. I'm, I'm just a little bit called. Let's take a look at the intro of this verse in verse 1. To those who have obtained a faith of equal standing with ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. And who is writing the letter? You guys can answer. Yes, Peter, an apostle. You know, the one who walked on water with Jesus? Yeah, that guy. And you have obtained a faith of equal standing. You, like the apostles, have been called into the kingdom of God. You are a citizen like they are. And this citizenship is ours by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Neither the apostles nor I can boast in my kingdom's citizenship because it is through Christ's righteousness. It is through his work of salvation on the cross, his perfect atoning blood, and his choosing that I am gifted with kingdom citizenship. And Peter knows this. Because we all have obtained a faith of equal standing. So my sister, you are not just a little called. But you are called as the apostles. Now, before you start calling yourself an apostle, <laughs> let's pause for a second. <laughs> now, this doesn't mean that you are called to the same works as the apostles, or even as the same works as some of the women in this room. Each of us are given varied measures of faith, and each of us till our own corner of the garden. But each of us are called to be fruitful. 
to my garden's river rouge. <laughs> so what are you called to? Let's look at verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence. We are called to live out God's standard for his glory. That sounds like a daunting task. To live out God's standard seems impossible, but it is when you strive to do it on your own. But our God and Father is kind to us, and he gives us good gifts. And he says right here in his word that his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence, God has granted to us by his spirit all that we need for living and living out our faith through the knowledge of him. Now I'm going to ask you a few questions, and I want some responses. Are you ready? That was the first question. Okay. <laughs> Try it again. Are you ready? All right. Ladies, where do we go if we want to learn more about God? His, his word, right? The scriptures. So what about that homeschool blog? I'm a homeschooler. That homeschool blog by the super Christian lady. Is that sufficient to learn more about God? No. What about that, that really good book on parenting by Paul Tripp? Is that sufficient to learn about God? No. But is it helpful? Yes. Yes, it's helpful, but it is not sufficient. The plethora of resources that we have in our American Christian culture are not to take the place of the word of God, but they are to come alongside and even be measured to show its accuracy by the word of God. Ladies, we must be readers of the scriptures. Where else can we go, Lord? Where else can we go? For you have the words of eternal life. Let's look at 2 Peter um, I'm gonna, 16 through 20, and I'm going to read them again to you. For we did not follow cleverly devised myths when we made known to you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but we were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For when he received honor and glory from God the Father, and the voice was borne to him by the majestic glory, this is my beloved Son with whom I am well pleased, we ourselves heard this very voice born from heaven, for we were with him on the mountain, on the holy mountain, and we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed, to which you will do well to pay attention. As to a lamp shining in the dark place until the day dawns and the morning star rises in your hearts, knowing this first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. So this first part, verses um, 16 through 18 are talking about the, the transfiguration of Christ. They were eyewitnesses, he says. But look at, then look at verse 19. And we have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. You, I, we, us, have the prophetic word more fully confirmed. Not that the transfiguration was iffy, but we have the transfiguration and then the prophetic word. Do you see how the scriptures themselves are of greater significance than the experiences of men, even the apostles? So where should our attention be, ladies? What should captivate our hearts? Let's look at the rest of verse 19. We are to pay attention to the word of God as to a lamp shining in a dark place, that it would captivate our attention, that our gaze would be set. And how long are we to do this? Until the day dawns, until his return, until the day when we shall be like him perfect, 
and complete? And why are we to pay attention as to a lamp shining in the dark place? Let's look at 20 and 21. Knowing this, first of all, that no prophecy of scripture comes from someone's own interpretation. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man. But men spoke from God as they were carried along by the Holy Spirit. This is not so for your book on how to be a godly woman or a better wife or a mother. But the holy text is unique in this way. It is the inspired word of God. To further convince you of this importance of the word of God in a believer's life, I want you to listen to, I'm going to come from Psalm 19, verse 7 to 11. And just listen. And while you're listening, I want you to um, to really just kind of let it saturate over you and just hear the words that are being spoken. Clear mind, clear distractions, and, and hear, hear the word of the Lord. The law of the Lord is perfect, reviving the soul. The testimony of the Lord is sure, making wise the simple. The precepts of the Lord are right, rejoicing the heart. The commandment of the Lord is pure, enlightening the eyes. The fear of the Lord is clean, enduring forever. The rules of the Lord are true and righteous altogether. More to be desired are they than gold, even much fine gold, sweeter also than honey and drippings of the honeycomb. Moreover, by them is your servant warned. In keeping them, there is great reward. Ladies, the word of God is sufficient. It is complete. Nothing needs to be added to it. And it is through the word, the knowledge of him, that he has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. God has equipped you with his word to be fruitful, not as platitudes to make us feel better, even quotes to get more Facebook likes, but that we would grow. Let's look again at 2 Peter 1, verse 3 through 4. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who has called us to his own glory and excellence, by which, verse 4, by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises. Ladies, where can we find these precious and very great promises? In his word, right? Yes, in the word of God. Let's continue. So that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. Partakers of the divine nature. This is the godliness that is mentioned in verse 3. There is a reality that you cannot grow in Christ's likeness if you do not know who Christ is. And I'm not talking about a head knowledge, but an intimate heart knowledge that is found in believing the word of God. Ladies, God has revealed himself to us through his word. This is how we know him. And like I saw on the meme the other day, girl, read your Bible. So just to recap, God has called us to his glory and excellence and given us a faith of equal standing with the apostles. God has equipped us by his inspired holy word to live out his holy standard as we grow in knowledge of him. Just take a sip of water. So this next um, point is how we are to supplement our faith. So in reading um, 5 through 7, Right, it was so funny. I told myself that do not take out your thing. It's so funny. 
sorry. <laughs> so we're going to look at um, verses 5 through 7. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, in virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. Look at all that beautiful fruit for the glory of Christ. Now, the supplementing our faith is just that. It's a supplement. It is, it is added to our faith in Christ and is not a substitute for our faith. I cannot count on my good fruit for justification before the throne of God. If you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ, you are in the kingdom of God and are justified. The blood of Christ has sufficiently paid your debt and you are redeemed. So why are we to be fruitful? Well, verse 8 for if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. God wants us to be fruitful. God wants us to be effective for his kingdom. We are to do something with the knowledge we have in our Lord Jesus Christ. It is just like the parable of the talents in Matthew 25 that Jesus shares with his disciples. His disciples ask him, what will be the sign of your coming in the end of the age? Jesus then warns them of false Christ and of great tribulation, of no one knowing the hour of his return. But then he gives two parables of being ready for his return. The parable of the ten virgins and the parable of the talents. Both of these parables point to an expectation of preparedness for the return of Christ. The virgins who brought oil were able to enter into the marriage feast with the bridegroom. Those who did not, the bridegroom says, I do not know you. With the parable of the talents, the servant who does not invest the talent he was given, but hides it in the ground, is called wicked and slothful, and he is cast in the outer darkness where, he, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. My friends, if you love him, you will obey him. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, that we should walk in them. Ephesians 2.10 If you do not desire to grow in faithfulness and service to the God you claim to serve, if you do not desire to be ready for Christ's return, I challenge you to think about where your affections lie. Do you really treasure Christ? Or do you treasure your comfort, your ease, your routine, or your Christian bubble? Verse 9, for whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Whoever lacks these qualities is so self-centered, so self-focused, I know, I've been that way, that they have forgotten God's grace to them. They are not preparing for eternity. They are not working for their master as that good and faithful servant. Verse 10 and 11, therefore, sisters, be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. And this idea of preparing and waiting for eternity is also mentioned at the end of this letter in chapter 3, verse 11 to 13. Since all these things are thus to be dissolved, what sort of people ought you to be in lives of holiness, godliness, waiting for and hastening the coming of the day of God? because of which the heavens will be set on fire, dissolved as they burn. But according to his promise, we are waiting for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Right? That's our hope. That's what we're waiting for. That's what we're longing for. Now that we know we are called to good works and to be ready for the return of Christ, 
Let us look at the works listed here in verse 5 through 7. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, steadfastness, godliness, brotherly affection, and love. And as a reminder, all of these fruits are built upon your faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. What Peter has listed here is not an exhaustive list because there are other places in the Bible where different fruits or good works are mentioned. But let's look here at what we have. Virtue. Virtue speaks to your convictions, to your moral standard. We are to have moral excellence. What are you watching and reading? What are you exposing yourself to, exposing to your children? What is your thought life like? Knowledge. Girl. I heard a whisper. I heard a whisper. I'll do it again. Girl. There we go. <laughs> I heard like the soft whisper of hope in the back. <laughs> Girl, read your Bible. Yes. Knowledge, to grow in understanding, you must grow in your valuing of the holy text. How weighty is the Bible to you? How much does it mean? How much do you treasure it, right? Self-control. Self-control speaks to self-discipline or self-restraint. Self-discipline means taming your tongue, your thought life, actions, and submitting them to the lordship of Jesus Christ. Steadfastness. Be faithful. Do not waver in your faith. In Colossians 2, 8 through 9, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit, according to human tradition, according to the elemental spirits of the world, and not according to Christ. For in him the whole fullness of deity dwells bodily, and you have been filled in him who is the head of all rule and authority. Knowing the word of God is how we fight against those false teachers, those warm and fuzzy platitudes that are contrary to the word of God. By knowing the word of God, we can measure those things and see if they miss the mark. Because some of those things are really close. There are other religions that are really close, but they, they miss the mark, right? They fall short. And we need to know what those things are and be able to see and recognize those things. Godliness. Taking on the traits of Christ, living out those communicable attributes, those attributes that we can share with Christ. His patience, love, kindness, humility, just to name a few. In verse 3 of 2 Peter 1, we read that God's divine power has granted, to us all, has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. We also see in verse 6 that we are also commanded to pursue godliness. Thomas Schreiner puts it like this. Here we see the imperative, the command, stands on the indicative, the truth. We can pursue godliness because God has given us everything for life and godliness. This is not a hopeless task but is a task that God has guaranteed us success in. Brotherly affection, seeing the body of Christ in a familial way. Um, we are members of one body, needing each other, needing each other for edification, needing each other to admonish one another. Um, and lastly, love, genuine love for each other and a love and compassion for the lost. And those are, I just quickly went through those. Um, but yeah. So these supplements of our faith confirm our calling and election. Not that they were required for our calling and election, for that is a free gift. Praise the Lord. But just as we will recognize false prophets by their fruits, as Jesus says in Matthew 7, so are we recognized as children of God by fleshing out or living in light of the grace that we have received. Here's a brief um, recap of all that we just covered. All who have obtained the faith of equal standing by the righteousness of Jesus Christ are called. All those who are called are called to good works. God has provided everything we need for life and godliness to live out these good works through the knowledge of him. Now let us talk about some application of the text. 
So I'm about to be vulnerable a little bit. <laughs> so I've recently started going to the gym again. So this week, my whole family's been sick. We've been wiped out. Um, so I feel like a little bit of hypocrite saying that because now i got to start going again. <laughs> but um, I don't know if anyone has had the same experience as me. But when I start on the elliptical, my body is at first stiff and unwilling. But once I get past my 10-minute warm-up and I start to sprint, I have a lot more energy than I thought. I usually sprint in intervals, so when I get to my second or third sprint, I begin to feel fatigued, but I'm always amazed at what I can push this mother of five body to do. This, my friends, is a good metaphor for serving and being fruitful in church life, in church and life. Maybe some of you are just beginning to really serve and to walk in that fruitful obedience that God has called you to. Maybe you are a new believer, or you have been sitting on the bench afraid or hesitant or rebellious maybe even, or lazy. I've been lazy. <laughs> Some of you may, be, may still be crippled with the reality of your inadequacy, just like I have felt the desire to recoil, recoil and withdraw from service because of the fear of failing. Or maybe you feel like your gifting is just so little that it's insignificant. But God has gifted me as well as you for his glory. I want you to listen quickly to um, 1 Peter 4, 10-11. I'm sorry, I keep sniffing. My nose is running. <laughs> as each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as good stewards of God's varied grace. Whoever speaks as one who speaks oracles of God, whoever serves as one who serves by the strength that God supplies, in order that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. To him belong glory and dominion forever and ever. Amen. As each has received a gift, my children love to tell me when they didn't get something. But mom, I didn't get one. This is not so for us with God. Each of us has received a gift to use for the glory of God through Jesus Christ. It may not be teaching or singing, but God has uniquely gifted you with your talent, with your personality to glorify him into the service of one another. And coming from a small church, I know that every hand is helpful and every service to Christ is meaningful to the body as a whole. In the parable of the talents, even the man with a little was required to invest what he had. So hop on that elliptical of fruitful service and get past that awkward 10 minutes and warm up so that you can sprint. <laughs> so that you can sprint and do so fully in the strength that God provides. I was going to take that out, but I'm weird like that, so I left it. <laughs> Low personality. <laughs> Speaking of serving fully in the strength that God provides, while doing this study, I've been hit hard, really hard, with the reality of my laziness in my early married life. I guess I thought I arrived or something, you know. Got married, done. No more work for the kingdom needed. <laughs> I don't know. I have no idea. But I now have five children, and I'm doing 10 more, times more things than I was doing when I had one child, a fraction of the laundry, and I wasn't even homeschooling. I shudder to think of the time I wasted, the scripture I could have memorized, the discipline I could have developed. Go to the ant, O oh sluggard. Consider her ways and be wise. Go to the ant, O oh Ashley. Consider her ways and be wise. I remember going to a women's conference on scripture memorization years ago and listening to a more seasoned friend weep 
because of the time she has wasted in her younger years and the very real limits of her memory in her older age. Do not think that you will get greater later. But strive now in the strength that the Lord has provided to glorify him and repent of your failings, your laziness, your sin, and turn to the Lord Jesus who forgives and gives grace. Praise God. Honestly, the forgiveness of sins is a great motivation for fruitfulness, not only at the moment of regeneration, but continually throughout life. And Peter says this in 2 Peter um, chapter 1, verse 9. Whoever lacks fruit are ones who have forgotten that they have been cleansed from their former sins. And what does repentance do? It reminds us, right, when we pray to him, it reminds us that we have been cleansed. So repent often and remember his great faithfulness towards you. So now to my sprinters out there, you know who you are. <laughs> those who are actively using your gifts in serving Christ, those who volunteer regularly, who look for opportunities to serve and push past what they thought were their limits. My friend, humble yourself and remember that you serve by the strength that God supplies, that in everything God may be glorified through Jesus Christ. We as believers must be dependent on the Holy Spirit. Knowing that when we evangelize, it is the Spirit who will open blind eyes. It is by the Spirit that we will um, understand those tricky texts. And it is by the Spirit that we will persevere in trials and endure in suffering. The Holy Spirit is our help. Gloria Furman says in her book, Alive in Him, it's the book I gave away, we need the Spirit to open our eyes to God's truth, warm our hearts to love that truth, and empower us to live in line with the truth that God alone is worthy to be praised. The Holy Spirit has been lavishly given to us to convict us, prompt us to good works, work the word of God, or reveal the word of God to us, and intercede for us according to the will of God the Father. He also emboldens us to proclaim that truth. When I think of this, the Holy Spirit, I'm reminded of Stephen, who boldly preached the gospel to those who were crucified, and he himself later was stoned because of that. Before the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, he and the other disciples were hiding in fear. But the Holy Spirit empowered him to boldly declare the gospel in the face of great danger. This spirit, ladies, is also in you if you have trusted in the Lord Jesus Christ. This spirit is in you. Ladies, we are not like baby sea turtles. I know that's random. But I watch a lot of animal documentaries, and this cemented with me. <laughs> But we are not like baby sea turtles that are simply dropped in the sand and only have a 1% survival rate of reaching maturity. We have his word, his very sure promises. We have his Holy Spirit. We are not left to ourselves. We are not abandoned to just figure it out. But we are called and equipped for fruitfulness. To some of you, this talk of fruitfulness might feel burdensome because you're already in the valley of fatigue. And fatigue is a real thing because I have experienced it and I've seen it in the lives of my friends. Listen carefully to this. And this is for everyone, not those, just those who are fatigued. God is not Grace Becky. I'm saying Becky. If you're Becky, it's not about you. It's just a random name I picked. God is not Grace Becky to work in the nursery, sing on the praise team, make snacks for children's church, teach children's church, bring food for the shut-in, write all the thank-you cards, host all the baby showers, host all the bridal showers, clean the bathrooms, and share the gospel with the neighborhood, and the list goes on and on, right? 
but God has equipped the body of Christ that way. We are creatures with physical bodies that limit the extent to what we can do. Not that we shouldn't push ourselves to fully work in the strength that God provides, but we need to guard our hearts against bitterness when we begin to cramp and struggle to maintain all that we have taken on. To avoid fatigue, be realistic with physical limitations. Question your motives for wanting to take on so much. What, what is your heart after in doing that? Ask for help. And not just a general email, but personally ask your friends and family and be honest about feeling underwater and take it to the Lord in prayer. That one I emphasize the most. <laughs> take it to the Lord in prayer. Prayer is such a gift from God. Prayer nourishes humility, encourages submission, and grows our dependency on our Heavenly Father. I'm going to repeat that. Prayer nourishes humility, encourages submission, and grows our dependency on our Heavenly Father. Just a little bit of transparency. One thing that I constantly pray for is for God to grow me in discipline. I pray for this because I am prone to self-serve and to laziness. And God has been so good at answering my prayers. And this is not to say that I have arrived by any means, but God is faithfully just chipping away at me and chipping away at me and molding me into the image of his son. I share this to encourage you to pray. Pray that the Lord would use you for his glory, whatever that means, and that you would be fruitful. So quickly summarize, and then I'm going to um, close. God has given us everything for life and godliness through the knowledge of Christ, that we may live boldly for him, waiting and working diligently until his return. And for this last part, I just want you to, um, I don't know if everyone has paper or not, but if not, just make a mental note. I want you to, I, I want you to think about what you desire for the Lord to grow you in. We all have weaknesses. Every, every one of us has an area that, that we need to grow in um, spiritually. And, you know, mine I, I shared is discipline, that I would grow in discipline, grow in being consistent. And I want you to think about that and either write it down or make a mental note of it. And I'm going to pray for us um, and for those things. Heavenly Father, I thank you, Lord, for your grace that you have given us in Christ. I thank you, Lord, for this opportunity, Lord God, to open up your holy word and to learn more of you. I pray, Lord God, that you would set fire in these women, that you would cause them to yearn and long for you, to rightly value and wait your holy text that they would come to you earnestly and often in prayer and reading of your word, that they would be fruitful and actively working for your kingdom, that they would proclaim Christ, and not just in their circles, but in the hard areas, Lord. I pray for grace over their lives, that you would mold them into the image of your son, just as you are chipping away at me, that you would chip away at them, you know their hearts, you know their idols, you know the things that they're clinging to, and I pray, Lord God, that you would remove them from them, 
and that she would cause them, Lord, to, to dive deeper into you, to lean heavier on your grace, to lean more to your scripture. And I pray, Lord God, knowing, Lord God, that you are faithful and that you are a good father and that you give good gifts to your children. And I pray and thanking you, Lord, thanking you for these things and thanking you, Lord God, that, that we are not left to our own, but you are with us. In your son's name I pray, amen.